The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will join us after 10.15. She is a family law attorney, and she will answer all of your questions if you are divorcing, considering divorce, separation, custody issues, anything uh, to that effect. She is, she'll be on the line as she is away, but she is still going to give us her expert advice. So feel free to text in your questions uh, for Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, and we'll get that ball rolling. But first, I want to answer some of your questions. Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. All right. You know, you can always email me your questions uh, to lori at drlori.com. And here is one that I received uh, today. We were talking, guys, at the gym about women. I asked them if they would give women oral sex. Then, to my surprise, they either said they had a bad experience or some of them gave this disgusted look. Don't you think a guy who does not appreciate a woman's body part is confused in his sexual orientation? Not that there's anything wrong with that. I don't see the connection between not liking a particular sexual activity and being confused about one's sexual orientation. Um, performing oral sex, whether it's on uh, whether it's uh, on men or on on women, not everyone enjoys doing it. Not everyone is aroused by it. Uh, there are some people that uh, are not thrilled by it, and so that's a personal uh, choice, uh, but it has really nothing to do with a person's uh, sexual orientation. All right, other questions. And by the way, if you want to send your questions, you want to text them in, it's uh, 514-800. So any questions you have about love, sex, relationships, I do that for the first segment of uh, every uh, every show. Uh, is it normal for my penis to curve? This is a question we've had multiple times. But penises come in every size, shape, more or less, and even uh, color. Same as vaginas. Some penises curve up, some curve down, some go sideways, especially while uh, erect. So this is a very common and is not, it's not a concern for anybody uh, unless there is pain. If you are experiencing pain with your erections or it interferes with sex somehow or makes sex painful, then that's a different situation. Then we're talking about a condition called uh, Peyronie's disease. But that wouldn't, you would note, in other words, this would happen later. It's not like your penis is always um, gone to the right or always gone to the left, that would indicate that that's just part of normal. But when there's a, um, a significant curve that happens uh, over time, let's say, uh, then that indicates may indicate um, a problem. But that usually comes with a sex injury, uh, like a breaking of the penis. So if that's the case, if there, if you suspect there's it's something due to an injury, uh, then see a doctor. But otherwise, a curved penis is uh, totally normal. And in fact, 
sometimes for women even more pleasurable because they're hitting uh, different spots. So it actually might work better. Uh, what exactly is squirting? Somebody wants to know. Uh, squirting basically is when a woman releases fluid from the urethra. So it comes from the same place as if she was urinating. It's usually related to uh, intense G-spot stimulation. It is not urine, even though it feels like you need to urinate, but it's that's not what comes out. Basically, it's um, fluid that is generated from particular glands, similar to what when sperm is basically created, but obviously we don't have testicles, not the same, but the, the, it, the copper's glands is what it is, or the skein's glands. Um, and then it, it's with that intense stimulation, there is a feeling of that urination. But when they've analyzed what comes out, they've only found small traces of urine. And why? Because it's going through the same... Um, passageway. Uh, again, not all women experience this. Don't make this the big goal of anything. It might happen. It might not happen. Often associated with more intense orgasms. Some women experience them all the time. Some women only at a certain time in their life. So um, it really isn't something that happens to all women all the time, despite what uh, porn will tell you, right? Because in porn, that's what people uh, people see. Another question about uh, oral sex. How do I get my partner to be better at giving me oral sex? Uh, this comes from a woman. So everybody needs a different type of stimulation, especially during oral sex. We're all different. Our bodies are different. This goes for men uh, and for women. So it's really important to be able to tell your partner what it is you like. Sometimes just t telling your partner to uh, slow down or move up a little bit or move to the right a little bit or to the left a little bit. And that's all that might be um, needed. You can also show your partner, for example, with your own fingers, which areas are for you uh, most sensitive, what kind of pressure you like, what kind of speed you like, what kind of motion you like. So this is the important thing is being able to have those kinds of conversations, uh, if you want to do that, uh, <laughs> a joke penis going to the right and or left, I guess that constitutes as a cockeyed penis. <laughs> I couldn't resist the temptation. Why is it every time we talk about sex, somebody cannot resist making a joke or it's all, there's so many puns, right? That even I am not even aware of as I'm talking, but I'm sure people at home are going, ha ah, ha she said that. Ah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I love this question. My husband and I have been married for 16 years and have had what I call a normal sex life. But the other night he asked me if I could videotape us making love. Should I let him do this? Is this something normal or is he uh, just getting bored with me? I don't think this sounds like he's bored with you. I think maybe the opposite is true. He wants to see more of you. He's turned on by you. Um, remember, men tend to be uh, visual, 
very visual. So maybe this is what he's asking for. It's I would see this probably as a as a compliment. It's he, seeing you and using that tape for when he self pleasures uh, is definitely a, a compliment. And maybe he's trying to come up with something creative to keep your sex life fun. However, caveat here. Uh, be careful, beware of the pitfalls. You don't want anybody finding that tape or what happens if you break up or something like this. So, uh, putting things on tape on camera, always a risk there. So beware. Uh, coming up, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will join us on the line. She will answer all of your family law questions. So please, if you've got them, Share them at 514-800. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Joining us on the line right now is Maître Linda Hammerschmidt. She's a family law attorney. Uh, who uh, will answer all of your questions, whether they are about separation, divorce, custody. Well, she's here, and she will give you some uh, good legal advice. Uh, Highland, I hope it's warm where you are. It's absolutely warm. <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking at the weather up north, and I'm very happy not to be there. Yep, you have to see what the roads are like. Just today, looking out of my window, tr- getting ready to go to work, couldn't leave the house. Why? The entire street. With was like bulldozed with all the ice, like mountains and mountains of boulders of ice. It was insanity. Sounds great. Oh Sounds yeah, great. Just wonderful. <laughs> While you're walking on the sandy beaches, sure. Yeah. We're all jealous. Uh, all right, Linda. Let's start with the stump the listener question. Can we do that? We absolutely can. Um, I'm not sure if everybody remembers uh, last month I was talking about a couple who live together and they're not married. And we're going to keep talking about the same couple. And the question tonight is that you live with your partner, as I said, you're not married, and you buy a property jointly. So it's in both names with nothing else in the deed other than you are joint co-owners. And uh, one of the spouses puts $100,000 down uh, in the purchase price. Mm-hmm. And time goes by, they split up. And the question is, are you, the one who put down the $100,000 extra, uh, entitled to get that back before the net proceeds are split 50-50? Good question. All right, we'll let our uh, listeners answer that at 514-800. Send in, uh, send in your uh, answers to that if you know the answer. And then, of course, Linda will do some explaining later on, uh, but also your questions. So if you're dealing with uh, a divorce or thinking about divorcing or separation or you've got uh, uh, kids and you've got to deal with that, we should. Uh, you can ask those questions, 514-800, or feel free to call in at 514-790-0800. So we know know tax time is upon us uh, very shortly. These questions often come up, Linda, right? Where what is tax deductible? Are we lawyer's fees, alimony? Um, I don't even know like w- what there is, but what are the things that people have to think about? Well, first of all, uh, 
for anybody who is in the system of getting divorced or separated or even having a modification of such judgments that were rendered previously in 2018, you can ask your attorney for a tax receipt uh, of the amount of money that you spent uh, on these fees uh, last year. Okay. Now, now, what I do is because certain fees, and federally they're not as nice, usually the opposite, but they're not as nice as Quebec uh, to people who uh, spend money on lawyers for their family matters. Because in Quebec, a payor, that's a person who has the obligation to pay spousal support, Mm -hmm. uh, cannot claim legal fees uh, to get either a separation of divorce or to establish, negotiate, uh, reduce or terminate the amount of spousal support. Uh, definitely not for child custody or visitation and not to split up their assets. The only thing that a payor can do federally is to deduct any amount of spousal support, and I say spousal support only because child support is paid net and is not deductible, and that is the only amount that you can deduct. You don't have to be divorced or separated, but if you are not, but you are paying an amount monthly to the person you used to be with uh, and had been married to, uh, if you sign an agreement with that person that you're paying this amount of money or they sign a receipt that they received, let's say, $20,000 in 2018 from you for support, uh, you should be able to deduct that amount of money. Uh, On the other hand, obviously, the person who received that amount of money has to claim it as an income Ah. on their tax return and therefore pay for it. As for as as federally, a person who uh, uh, should usually be able to uh, claim fees that were used to either fix or collect spousal support or to uh, modify that same spousal support, usually one who's modifying it and has been the recipient of spousal support is asking for an increase uh, from the person who's mm-hmm. paying. Now, the situation is completely different in uh, in the province of Quebec, where an individual can deduct the legal fees they paid for for the establishment of their initial right to receive support payments, the collection of those support payments. For example, if somebody has uh, stopped paying you but still owes you, no judgment has overturned the previous order, and they should have been paying you $500 a month, and they haven't for six months, Mm -hmm. and you engage a lawyer to collect uh, that outstanding amount, uh, or you had to pay any kind of legal fees to collect that amount, then you can deduct uh, those legal fees. Now, <clears throat> coming back to the receipt that I usually prepare, and because you cannot deduct fees for getting a divorce itself or for custody wow. or for, or for um, uh, partitioning of assets, uh, a lawyer should evaluate uh, the amount, let's say there was the $20,000 again paid in 2018 for uh, in a family file. Uh, if uh, a portion of that was 40%, let's say, for the splitting of the uh, proceeds of a house and uh, the partition of your furniture and getting the divorce itself, that 40% of the 20000 is not deductible. Okay. But if the other 60% was used to fix 
the level of support that was payable or to collect the support that had been payable but wasn't being paid or to increase it for that matter, that amount has can be deducted. But it, you, you're going to need – you can't just say I spent $20,000 and the government's going to say, yeah. what, right. what for? Right. So in order to uh, make it easier for the government to not refuse your deduction, you have to have a, a receipt that – breaks down, not in minute detail, but breaks down at least uh, uh, the percentages of what was spent for for what portion. And sometimes, so, for example, uh-huh. uh, it can be that the entire 100% in any given year was simply about spousal support. Right. Maybe you're getting divorced a lot the year before, the year after. You've already been divorced, and it's just about the spousal support payment. Right. So this is something that obviously people should be aware of when they when it comes to this time of year to go back to their the lawyers that they use and ask them for a, a more of a detailed um, receipt. At, then. at least an evaluation of the percentage breakdown between what was. Okay. The important part is what was their estimate of the amount that they they were paid that was relevant to spousal support. Right. I find that so interesting that only that portion is tax deductible and nothing else. It doesn't seem doesn't make sense to me, but okay, they must have a reason for that. Well, because I figure uh, they they must believe that since you're getting an asset in a partition, for example, if you put up a million dollar home and you're getting five hundred thousand dollars, you don't need to deduct mm. <laughs> uh, the legal fees for that. And in certain cases, perhaps they also believe that it's because uh, here in Quebec, anyway, uh, one is entitled to the division of family patrimony. It's not something that people should have to fight over. Okay. I'll that's, met- not true. that's not true in reality, but right. maybe that's the government's uh, mindset when they uh, draft the, the legislation for the tax uh, code. Right. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us. She's a family law attorney, and she's here uh, to give you advice if you have any questions uh, about uh, divorcing. And and it's also tax time as it relates to uh, family law. I know a lot of people have questions about what's deductible, what's not deductible. So it's interesting. The so Al, go ahead. Lori, there is one other thing that uh, I want to include that you can't deduct the legal fees even if it was for spousal support if you got a reimbursement of legal fees. For example, uh, one can claim that the other side pay all or a portion of the fees to your lawyer. So if you spent your $20,000 but the other side was ordered to pay you $20,000, then you can't deduct that because you got it already back. But maybe then the other person can deduct it. No, they're not going to be able to deduct a provision for costs, normally speaking. Now, maybe if they have an aggressive accountant or a a better written tax receipt, because in a sense, provision support is alimentary in nature. But the other criteria for a person who pays and, and for a person who receives is it has to be a periodic regular payment. So if somebody is ordered to pay $20,000 of provision for costs, it's a one shot deal. And it doesn't meet the criteria of being periodic. Okay. And on the other hand, there has been jurisprudence uh, in the past that when a lump sum, for example, an amount that's awarded to somebody in addition to support the partition of uh, assets and everything, 
and uh, the order is for three or more payments of that sum, $100,000 paid four times by $25,000, it's possible that the person who's paying it can claim that because they're going to argue that it's a periodic payment. You know, I'm listening to you. My head's going to explode yeah, with well, all these facts. Quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm honestly don't like all that <laughs> stuff either. That's I know. I know. I'm not a tax lawyer. I but, know. But. You still have to deal with it. Coming up, uh, we'll answer the question. We've got one person who may have the answer. What happens when two people who aren't married buy a home together? One person puts in $100,000. Do they have a right to claim that back once they break up? We'll answer that question and find out the reasoning behind it uh, after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Your opportunity to get some uh, legal advice tonight from Maitre Linda Hammerschmidt, a family law attorney. Uh, she gave out a question, a, a stump the listener question about, you want to repeat the question again, Linda? Absolutely. So you're living with your partner, you're not married, you have decided to buy a property, you put it jointly in your names, the deed doesn't say anything else other than it's jointly owned. Uh, At the time of the purchase, one of the two uh, purchasers put in an extra $100,000, but nothing else about it is in the deed. Years go by, you split up. Are you entitled to get back the $100,000 before anything else is split between the couple? So this texter writes, yes, the spouse should get that money back given that, that they aren't in a marital relationship. Are they right? No. Oh, no. Sadly. You better explain. Sadly, they're not right. Okay. If you only bother to put 50-50 owners, then it is assumed that knowingly you're putting your $100,000 because you want to benefit your other partner by the $50,000, the other half of the 100 Okay. So if you want to make sure that you get that amount of money uh, that maybe you took from your savings, or whatever, and you want to make sure that you get it, let's say the house sells for $500,000 and it's 50-50. You want to get your 100, at least 400 left. Uh, I'm not dealing with adjustments or anything. Mm -hmm. And of the 400, each gets 50%, but the 100,000 has already been reimbursed. And if you don't put in the deed at the time that you're buying it, the prepayment or the additional amount of money or I'll get back what I put in before any other thing is split. You know, there's many ways to write, the, you know, you can make it uh, case specific for each couple who's buying a house. And then your only recourse uh, uh, that will be, you know, lengthy and costly would be to try to take a an action in what we call uh, – Enrichment uh, without cause, which means that the person who's benefiting from that extra $50,000 we were talking about didn't do anything for it, it. and uh, the other person has therefore enriched them, and they should get the money back. 
it's so much easier, as I'm always harping, and as you know, <laughs> to sit down and write a contract of cohabitation, which specifies many different scenarios and gives you the broad strokes and the guidelines or the specific ones, so just should you, should you so choose, uh, as to what's going to happen in the, in the event of a split. Down the, the road. Uh, Linda, is there anywhere that people can find a sample of a, a cohabitation agreement? I'm sure if you Google Quebec cohabitation agreements, you're going to come up with models. Okay. I, I, I don't look myself since I, I know how to draft them. but Right. And, and, and obviously you can tailor it, uh, you know, to your own specifics, as I said. It isn't either obviously boilerplate clauses, but each party brings to the table their own mindsets and how they would like to yeah. see things run. And so long as both people agree, as I've also always say, they have more latitude in their contracts than people who are going to get married because they're stuck with the family patrimony and they can't right. get out of it. I have to say, I've known a lot of couples who live together who do not have these agreements. I would say the vast majority enter into these uh, living together arrangements with no such contract. And and worse, not even some advice. I mean, if you want to and uh, not have a contract, but at least you took the time to get some advice before doing it, and then you decided, you know what, I've had the advice, I understand, but I still don't want to have a contract, well, at least you know what you're supposedly doing. Right. Okay, I have a question for you here. Um, I have a divorce lawyer, but my spouse is representing herself. How will this affect the divorce proceedings? Well, in the, anybody is entitled to represent themselves. Okay. The only issue is before the courts that they comply with the same rules and regulations that bind lawyers. Now, Occasionally, there are judges who obviously give a bit more latitude to somebody who's representing themselves, but they're not there to teach a uh, divorce 101 <laughs> right. course either as the proceedings go on. So, uh, you know, it's it's up to that person, and, and sometimes it can also be to be impolite, annoying for the person who has the lawyer and is represented because the other side can bombard your lawyer with emails, mm -hmm. whatever they want to do, and phone calls and tie them up. And, of course, the time that the lawyer has to spend dealing with this person uh, can be lengthier than dealing with uh, a a, lawyer. A, right. a, another lawyer on the other side, although that's not always a given. And uh, and you're going to get bill for it, and the other person is uh, you know laughing all the way to the uh, to the bank because they're not spending the money; they're making you spend the money. So ah. there are there are ways to deal with that also in court, but it still involves going to court. So right, it's well, sort of a this is where th circle. this is where things always get dirty and messy and nasty. Is when but you, you notice see... how it's always that way after the fact when. The preventative recourses to take to at least minimize these types of problems. Yeah, unfortunately, what you see in a lot of these uh, these divorces is is such contempt for each other that they literally they want to bring 
they want to bring them down. Like the person who says, well, I'm just going to bombard the lawyer with uh, questions so that he or she will have to pay and I'm going to yeah, make them revenge. pay, you know, revenge for being slighted sometimes. Yeah, it's or, terrible. You know. Yeah, it is terrible, but it's the other side of passion, I gather, right? Yeah, it's the ugly side, the very, very or ugly you, side. You know how I also like to call it when the underwear stinks. <laughs> We don't have to talk about underwear here. Um, All right. Another question. Divorced. I have a 23-year-old daughter uh, who just finished uh, her first university degree, doing nothing until September. She is starting law school in the fall, paid by uh RESPs. Mom refuses to reduce child support for the oldest. I have a 21-year-old away at university and a 16-year-old who lives with mom. I pay half of all expenses. Okay, well, if I'm understanding correctly, the 23-year-old has already finished university right now. I mean, it's kind of a Yeah, she finished her first her first degree and is starting in September law school but the which is fully but my paid is, when did she finish her first degree she just finished it so this semester it's weird that that one would finish a degree of well, any kind in february well well there's a I, i'm not sure december. whatever regardless let's just say regardless okay yeah. regardless so <clears throat> i would send a, a registered letter to your ex spouse to say that you want to have the child support for uh, the 23-year-old, at least, uh, uh, modified. And uh, I'm going to give you a week to get back to me or have your lawyer contact me, whatever, to deal with it. Failing which, that person <clears throat> should take a motion to suspend the uh, the money uh, payable for the 23-year-old. And, of okay. course, you're going to have to deal with how much was for the 23-year-old and how much, because it's not just you don't divide by three or whatever, right. the amount of child support. Right. And uh, if the uh, kid is doing absolutely nothing between January and next September, court's not going to be happy about that. Okay. Now he, and it'll be the onus will be, depending on what happens uh, in the court, the onus will be on the 23-year-old to, if the support was suspended, canceled, stop for that nine-month period uh, to go back and take a proceeding herself uh, to reinstate support payments. Okay. Uh, And uh, just to answer your question, that finished in December, so that was the end of the semester. Okay, so don't don't wait until until September or August to try to To get this done, because then you'll be in a... Yeah. Uh, Next question to be answered, when does child support stop for adult kids? It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us to answer your legal questions once a month, the last Thursday of every month. Uh, she is with us and will take your calls and your texts about family law issues. 514-800, you still have a couple of minutes left. 514-790-800 if you want to call in. Uh, this is a question I think we get pretty much every month, but bears repeating. When does child support stop for adult kids? Well, again, this depends on whether you're married in a civil union or just living together. 
if okay. the couple is married and has got getting divorced or is divorced and our children and one attains the age of 18, that does not mean automatically the child support ceases. The criteria of the Divorce Act is that the child has to be in full-time attendance at a recognized uh, uh, educational facility. Not, a, not basket weaving. A, right. Yeah, you can't go to <laughs> basket weaving 101 at fredsu.org, uh, I don't know, <laughs> right. and claim that uh, you're studying intensively. Normally speaking, uh, the, the child is still living at home and is financially dependent on its parents. Right. Uh, and uh, if in this circumstance, for example, in between uh, semesters, for example, the summer when there's four months when the child is attending university uh, and they work and they earn, I don't know, they went, to, I don't know if that's still possible to do it, but they went to all Alberta to work in the oil industry for four months and made $20,000. Mm-hmm. That amount of money has to be factored in to uh, the child support payments ah. for, you know, that year at least. Okay. And it uh, doesn't mean that it's uh, $20,000 is going to be deducted off of whatever the uh, payor has to contribute for the child support, but it will, you know, be addressed and be an issue before the court that ha- that it will have to be considered. Okay. Uh, if they're not married, then when the child is 18, normally speaking, the child support can end. However, the child, now 18 as an adult, can take a proceeding against both parents for support. Uh, and if they're living not at home, then obviously that will be different set of factors. And if uh, the child is still living with one of the parents, uh, that parent's argument will be, well, I'm already contributing to the support of this child by allowing, you know, to put a roof Just over right. his head and whatever, and the other one has to contribute still. Now, normally speaking, when when clients, uh, you know, come and ask me, you know, well, can I stop the support at 18? My first question is, you have a child, don't you, and, and they're going to university, why would you want to cease contributing to their betterment, which is only going to be good for you in the long run? Right. I'm not saying it should go on until they're 30. They're not entitled necessarily to take a master's degree or a doctorate degree or one one course a term. But if the child is doing well and aiming at, at something that's going to allow them to be financially independent, what parent doesn't want that for their child if I'm you know, right. I have no idea. I think what I've heard often is uh, parents who say that, who will say, well, I don't know that the money I'm giving is actually going to my kid. So could a parent decide once the child is age of majority to pay the child directly? They can't decide that. Or, or uh, go to court asking for that. Is that a possibility? Yeah, you can ask for it. And obviously, uh, you're going to then have to make sure that the kid you're going to pay directly is, um, shall we say, responsible with the money. Because if you give them, right. I don't know, $1,000 a month to live and they blow it all on God knows what right. and come back, I can't afford food this week, dad, mom, whoever, it, it's not okay. Right. Another thing that can be done regardless of the age of a child and even for the spouse is that the payor can request to pay certain expenses directly to the 
place where the money is going, for example, okay. to the school or uh, to the camp mm-hmm. or, or uh, to the uh, car lease place when it's for a spouse or even for the child, you know. So these kind of uh, things can be asked for in a courtroom okay. uh, and are often granted. Okay. Uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us to answer your legal questions. I know you wanted to talk about a, a recent uh, Supreme Court case that has something to do with you. Well, it has to do with, <laughs> unfortunately, all lawyers. Okay. It's not, a good, it's not a good judgment for lawyers. On the other hand, it might be a wake-up call for some. This particular case did not involve family law. It, it was a uh, lawyer in a firm that... Uh, encouraged, and, and not by just saying once, to send the client that uh, the person was representing uh, to a financial advisor that uh, the lawyer said was, you know, good and you should put your money here and so on and so forth. And, and not just once, but over a course of several years, uh uh, the clients were continually advised and said, this person is great. Well, unfortunately, <clears throat> the advisor absconded with not <gasps> only their money, but $100 million worth of assets of various people. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, since the assets of, of this particular client are gone, and we're talking about a significant amount of money, they turned around and sued both the lawyer who gave them the referral to this financial advisor and the law firm that was employing the, the lawyer. Wow. And in the court of first instance, uh, the lawyer's side won because the judge decided that while there may have been fault or they shouldn't have done this, that it wasn't fault uh, necessary rising to the level of liability to therefore uh, have damages awarded. The case went to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal overturned the uh, judgment and said that the lawyer and the law firm were uh, were liable okay. and had to pay. And the lawyer and the law firm took that case to the Supreme Court, and this morning it came out, and they lost. So they're on the hook for whatever amount of money, plus now interest and penalties and whatever, to these people. So the message being? Being, don't recommend anybody (laughs) unless you really can absolutely guarantee them. And a lawyer should never be sending anybody even with the best intent to uh, any other professional, if they're getting a kickback. Uh, Yes, exactly. Because it's considered to be a conflict of interest, and therefore you are not living up to the uh, oath that we take uh, with the Bar of Quebec uh, uh, of loyalty and duty towards a client if by uh, referring them to Joe Q. Public, and Joe Q. Public gives me 10% uh, because I referred them. Exactly. Last question, Linda. We have just enough enough time, I think, to answer this. Uh, Can a parent go to go to prison for failure to pay child support? What if a parent is poor? Great show. Okay. Well, first of all, it depends on the definition of poor because there are people who go out of their way to hide their money or make it unfeasible or whatever. And the courts will send somebody uh, to jail if for contempt of court okay. uh, if it is proven that they were doing this both intentionally 
and that it wasn't that they just missed the $500 payment. I mean, you have to be talking about some some really prohibited uh, actions on the part of the payor uh, for a judge to determine that that person is in contempt of court. And there have been jail sentences, you know, three months, four months, six months, hmm. whatever. Uh, but but you have to understand that <clears throat> while it may be satisfactory to the creditor uh, that this person is sent to jail, that doesn't get you any money. Right. Yeah, you don't get what you want in the end. It's a civil contempt charge, and, and so they'll go to jail, but they're still hiding their money, and they'll come out of jail eventually. And, you know, you can repeat this business, but the problem, again, is that the person that's asking for that person to be charged with contempt right. is usually paying a lawyer to get the job done. Right. So not and, only are they not collecting the money that this person is being charged with intentionally not paying, but they're paying out more money to try to collect the money that they'll never collect right. because the civil contempt won't get you money. Right. And in terms of poverty, of course, there's there's formulas, right, to to, um, to determine how much somebody needs to pay based on their income. Yes, it is. Now, right. obviously, there's a standard of living. If somebody's living and they got a boat and a house and the Hamptons and whatever, and they say, I don't have a job and I'm not earning any money, that's not going to fly in No, work. no, of course not. Right. Right. Except that if they have a job, their minimum wage or whatever yeah, else, and they... If it's bona fide poverty, then uh, then they should have obviously gone to legal aid and had a lawyer file a motion to cancel or suspend right. the support payment so they're not in this predicament in, it, in the first place. Right. Linda, thank you so much once again. Appreciate it. Always enjoy Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the beach. Rest up. We need you good. And rested. Okay. All right. Talk to you in March. I'll talk to you in March. Take care. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for all of your texts. Thanks, of course, to our wonderful technical producer, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Just